Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Bills offense is not exactly chugging into this week's AFC East showdown with Miami. Bills secondary is ever evolving as they continue to switch up who they have up for corner on game days. And let it snow. The Bills will try to slow down the Dolphins' superstar speed receivers. The Play Action Podcast starts now. So with four games left in the regular season, let's dissect the Bills' offense a bit. They're coming off of this 20-12 to win over the Jets where they got the win, but didn't look great to start the game. It wasn't particularly pretty. There is a lot of gnashing of teeth among Bills fans over the state of the offense, uh, given the way the Jets shut them down. My perspective is, number one, the Jets have a singular defense. There isn't another defense the Bills are going to face, unless they face the Jets in the wildcard round, (laughs) uh, that is going to be able to exactly replicate what the Jets do. Again, as we've said on this podcast, the Jets have 15 number one draft choices. This is a defense that is a bad matchup for the Bills. They're a bad matchup for a lot of teams. They held New England to three points, New England's offense. Now, people will say, oh, New England sucks. Well, they don't. They're not great, but they're, they are a really legitimate NFL team. This is a problem going forward. The Jets are going to be a problem in 2023, in 2024, in 2025. All their studs are young. Anytime you have two outside cornerbacks, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, who make it so that you can hold Stephon Diggs to 50 or so yards, That's going to be a problem for the Bills' offense. And this is not taking the Bills' offense off the hook for things they need to do better. No, and to that point, I thought it was interesting hearing from Ken Dorsey the day after the game saying, when you have to scratch and claw for every yard you get, I mean, that's playoff football right there. That's what it's got to be. Hearing his perspective, he went on to say also, not everything's going to be perfect in the course of a playoff game when you're looking ahead to what this team is going to do against tough opponents. And because they did have a basically perfect playoff game last year. I think people got a bit spoiled from that, the way they started the season, two of these blowout wins, just thrashing opponents. And yeah, it wasn't the best start to the game, just punt city. But I think there were reasons for that from the Jets' defense and then for the Bills to still get the win. That is ultimately what matters here. I think those are points well taken. I think you make a great point that the playoffs in 2022 – this a month from now, uh, probably aren't going to look like last year's playoffs. The Bills played the perfect game against New England. Kansas City's defense isn't great. Uh, they they got uh, run up on by Denver's uh, anemic offense last Sunday. It's going to be different. Uh, I think the Jets game speaks to a couple things. One, Josh If you are really so good on the outside, Josh needs another easy button. McKenzie in the slot uh, has 38 catches, but he is not as consistent enough mover of the chains as the Bills 
really could use against elite defenses. And hence, uh, you know, the report today. Were, it just were, happened. They oh, signed him to the practice squad. Okay, the Bills signed Cole Beasley to the practice squad. That is a, not a huge move, but it is a helpful move, maybe not this week for Miami, but going forward. Josh needs an easy button, another easy button, besides dumping it off to a back, besides digs out of the slot. Uh, he needs another player out of the slot who we totally trust. I don't think he totally trusts McKenzie out of the slot. McKenzie's week-to-week consistency as a chains mover hasn't been good enough. Hence, Beasley can help. Even if it's three catches, that's three chains moving catches. Bills were 0 for 4 against the Jets on third and two and three. That's a huge problem. So that helps. And then long term against the Jets, they need another upgrade on the offensive lineman to deal with this butt kicking, snot inducing Jets defensive line. Yeah. <laughs> I think when you look at, you mentioned third down, they were two of 13 on third down. That's just not super sustainable. So I think it is just a lot of things are true here at once. It was not their best showing, but also it's not always going to be these dramatic, I don't know, margin of victories that are so explosive. And that's okay, but it's also okay to look at why it's happening and what they can tweak to get it better when they're going to need that for the playoffs just to keep getting these wins however they happen. Yeah, I mean, you bring up Dorsey, and Dorsey was pretty good. Didn't he say something about he gave Josh props for being patient, right, yesterday when he, in his session? And I think that's true. You know, one Josh turnover could have cost them the game against the Jets, and Josh was careful with the football. Again, Dolphins are not the Jets' defense. Even Cincinnati, which is a really good defense, isn't quite the Jets' defense. So the Bills need to do some things in the offseason with their eyes toward this Jets defense. But having another easy button, I think, is going to be a factor that can help the Bills in the last month. The Bills' defensive secondary continues to be a work in progress here after 13 games. Dane Jackson played the entire game against the Jets in place of Kair Elam. You know, what do we think of the state of the Bills secondary here heading into the Miami game? Yeah, let's start with cornerback. It's been interesting how they've been rotating so much this season in large part because they had to, but then finally saw Dane Jackson get all those snaps and raises some questions about Kyrie Elam. The team has said that they're happy with how he's developing, but still a first round pick to not play was interesting. Leslie Frazier said that they had intentions of getting him in the game, but just the way it was going and how he said Dane Jackson was playing, they wanted to just keep riding with Jackson and Tredavious White, who is back to playing a full game as well, which is significant. But I think they still, they want to get Kair more snaps. It's just a matter of how that happens. Yeah, I don't like that answer from Leslie Frazier. <laughs> I mean, I don't doubt it, uh, but yeah, I don't like it because it shows they don't trust Kair. They trust Dane. They trust Dane a lot. And they trusted Levi Wallace a lot last year. But it's a problem. I think it's a problem. They would be better off with a decent functioning Kair. Obviously, they don't trust Kair to be decent functioning 13 games into his rookie season. That is a problem. Yeah, and rookie cornerback is such a particularly hard place to be. Guys get picked on so much there. So 
it's totally understandable if he's having some growing pains. But yeah, just the timing at this point in the season when he's played a bunch is notable. It is hard to the Bills play a lot of zone coverages where they disguise their looks and guys really have to be massaging their leverages and and knowing exactly who they have helping them. I respect the heck out of Dane, but he is a seventh round pick with limited physical tools. And we saw the Jets throw that wheel route up the right sideline to Braxton Berrios. Dane Jackson sees it, covers it, is there. He is there, but he doesn't have the size to break up the pass. It was a perfect throw by Mike White, but Dane was there. He doesn't have the size. In the Detroit game, the back, uh, the end zone, uh, short red zone touchdown to DJ Chark. Dane is there. He is doing as good a coverage, as a good anticipation as he can have. But DJ Shark is six foot two and big and reaches over him and makes the catch. Kair has IU drafted him because he has the size and length to be better able to break up those plays. Yeah. And I think, too, it sounds like, you know, from talking to players, to coaches, that Everyone in that cornerback room has been responding well to kind of this rotation, this uncertainty. But Sean McDermott did say, ideally, you've got a guy locked in over there at CB2 now that Tredavious White is back. So I think that impacts the communication, too. Of It just makes it easier when these guys have more time on task together. And it's hard when it's been guys in and out. But it becomes significant in this Miami game when the secondary as a whole is significant in this game. No doubt. Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier are fanatical about being an assignment sound, and Dane is assignment sound. You know, the first Miami game, uh, you know, we were talking off air. I mean, it's crazy. The The secondary starters were, what, uh, Christian Benford, Kair, Jaquan Johnson, and... Damar Hamlin. And Damar Hamlin. When they, you know, that was week three, um, you add in Taron Johnson there. Entering that game, Taron had 36 career starts, and the rest of that group had one combined. Um, Christian Benford got hurt during the game, and... I mean, credit to the Bills defense. They held the Dolphins basically to 19 points. That safety made it 21 for the final score, but still significant. Yeah, 21-19. So they held them to three touchdowns and 212 yards. Amazing. Although there was the pivotal play in the game. They had uh, Miami backed up and after a sack or third and long, and uh, Tua throws the deep post, and Jaquan Johnson gave up the deep post to the deep middle. That made the game. Which, you know, the uh, the difference this game, Jordan Poyer's back. They didn't have Jordan Poyer. He makes such a difference. Yeah, and obviously what that secondary does is so significant too. And this team talks all the time about complementary football. And the absence of Von Miller is an ongoing storyline here of how they respond, how they look production-wise. And so far they have looked good, but there's not as much wiggle room on this defense when... They're navigating all that at once, so it's just no doubt. critical that this group holds up, too. So the Dolphins head to Orchard Park this weekend for Saturday Night Football. They're 8-5 and five coming into the game, improved off of what they looked like last year, even though they finished the season strong. But will be interesting just to see what they look like in this second meeting this season with the Bills. Yeah, they're uh, you know coming off two disappointing losses. They lost to an outstanding San Francisco team, 33-17. Lose Sunday night to the Chargers, 23-17. 
Offense looked terrible, yet this is all about their receiving weapons. Miami is the number two passing team in the NFL, and they have, obviously, Tyreek Hill. Presumably, he's got a little bit tweaked his ankle against the Chargers, but he's number one in the NFL in catches, number two in receiving yards. They got Jalen Waddell. He's number seven in receiving yards. They are the devastating, deep threat, best combination of explosive receivers in the NFL. And that passing game becomes so interesting when there once again might be a weather storyline this weekend. It's a little far out to tell, but currently calling for snow in Orchard Park this weekend, I think during the game is what they were last saying. Obviously a huge difference from the week three game in Miami, but more from a football standpoint, that could really impact Miami. You mentioned they're second in the league in passing, they're 29th in rushing. I think it helps the Bills because they're not a real dominant running team. You might say, well, you know, how confident am I in the Bills running game? I I think the Bills are better equipped to play in the snow. I think the bad weather at home in Orchard Park didn't help the Bills against the Jets, but against most teams, it's going to help. Against Miami, it helps a lot. I think the Bills can run the ball. I wanted to see Devin Singletary get the ball more. I like Devin Singletary still. And then you've got... In important games, Josh's ability to run is an asset, and Josh's ability to throw in weather versus Tua's ability to throw in weather, big advantage to the Bills. Yeah, I think it's maybe overstating it sometimes to say that the Bills thrive in these snowy, wet, gross games, whatever wintry mix it is. But I do think when it's impacting both teams the same way, kind of to your point, it's the Bills are better equipped to deal with it in some of those ways, even if it is going to change what their game plan looks like, too. And the, the Dolphins are all about Hill and Waddle. Now, there it could be, you know, if it's bad footing, throw some of these wide receiver screens to Hill and Waddle. So the Bills will have to worry about that. I mean, you can't understate the threat these two guys are. Here's the breakdown of this week's play to watch. I think about a play against Detroit where it's uh, Hill and Waddle are in each uh, opposite slot positions. They both go screaming down the field on vertical routes. Detroit's in a four deep, cover four, and the defensive backs just turn and with the fear of God and them race downfield. Tua has pressure, knows he has a huge amount of space, lets it go, knows he has the uh, luxury of underthrowing it, underthrows it, Hill reacts to the ball, makes a 36-yard catch. Those guys are, again, the fear of God combination. And uh, anything the weather can do that can limit them really, I think, is to the advantage of the Bills. First of all, I do love the visual of them screaming down the field. I think they should actually try that because that would be weird. I bet the defense would be confused by that. But regardless, those guys, they are a huge threat. It's interesting to see, looking back to last time these teams faced, Tyreek Hill had just 33 yards. That was his season low, um, two catches. So there are ways to mitigate him, but it's hard to do. Definitely a challenge for any team, but yeah, a season low is significant. Yeah, and I watched part of the uh, Chargers game, and they played a lot of two deep safety, two deep man underneath. That's the Bills' wheelhouse, protect deep. And you've got to stop the run with fewer people, and the Bills are well-equipped to do that. And on the other side, Miami's defense added elite pass rusher Bradley Chubb, so their pass rush is something for the Bills to worry about with Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, and Melvin Ingram as the number three guy. Yeah, and meanwhile, the Dolphins' secondary is 
not quite what the Bills faced last week against the Jets. And earlier in the season, I mean, the Bills had 497 yards on offense, just ridiculous numbers to still just get 19 points out of it. So a lot to watch for in this game. We'll have all your coverage leading up to this rematch with the Dolphins on Saturday Night Football. And then we'll be back to podcast again next week. So make sure to subscribe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.